This is the final message in the, in the messages we called Run to Win. And this is a little brief series that was meant to kind of get the school year off to a good start. As you know, in, in church life, in a community like this, you have two new years. You have the one that starts in January, and then you have the one that starts in August when everybody comes home from vacation and goes back to the school routine. And that's something some of us don't have to deal with anymore, but it's always shaping our lives. And, and uh, you know, if you're like me, you definitely notice the difference in your commute after the school year starts and so forth. So, so the idea was that we might get the school year off to a good start by remembering how important it is to run the race of life to win. Now, most of us, have ra we have races in our lives that we run all the time, you know? You, you're always running somewhere, aren't you? You know, uh, I, I don't know how many times over the years I've met retired people who, who complain uh, lightheartedly about being busier than they were when they had the job that they were doing every day. They're always on the run, babysitting grandchildren, going to doctor's appointments and taking care of parents and, and on and on it goes, you know, we race to this and we race to that. We're, we're always running some kind of a race and, and the real purpose of this series is to remind us that the ultimate race is to run home to him, him being the Lord God. And this is a race that we run not only during our temporal existence, but even as we enter into paradise, we keep running to win. The goal is to find our way into the embrace of our heavenly father, like the prodigal son ran home and his father ran to meet him. That's what we're aiming for here. The race we're running is a race of races. And I was thinking this morning as I was talking to the first service that that, you know, we use this race analogy, but I think that there's a TV show on t uh, one of the networks that I haven't watched, but I pretty well understand the premise. It's called The Great Race or, or, or the, the Amazing Race. Yeah, The Amazing Race. And, and the premise, you know, I like it because it's kind of an adventure. You go all over the world finding different things and, and ultimately trying to do that before the competition. But but that's a better way to look at the analogy of the race we're running of life. You know, our race involves running the kids to school in the morning, running to the coffee shop to meet friends, running to church on Sunday morning, running to work and running. All the races we run are important. And ultimately, we want each part of that smaller race to lead toward the ultimate destination. In, in other words, if you were participating in the amazing race and you got too absorbed in some small component of it, you might find yourself heading for the wrong ultimate destination. And that's what we're really talking about in this series of getting to the ultimate destination while we make all these stops along the way in our life. There's a formula that we've been following, and today I'm going to introduce you to the last part of the formula. The first part is prayer. You remember we talked about the importance of prayer, uh, spending time in intimate conversation with God. Then we talked about Bible reading, and we understood that that was the most reliable way to uh, get to know the heart and mind of God, which is ultimately the Bible's purpose, is knowing the heart and mind of God. And then the last part of the formula to running home to him is small group accountability. Now, small group accountability is probably the one you didn't see coming. 
I mean that simply by saying that if I told you that the important uh, elements of having a relationship with God were prayer and Bible reading, you probably didn't need me to tell you that. You probably found yourself thinking, well, yeah, sure, I get it. And I appreciate you encouraging me to do that because sometimes I forget. But this one you may not have seen coming. You may have thought that participating in corporate worship like this on a weekly basis was the next part of the formula. And you would be partly right because this is certainly an important act of worship and an important expression of shared faith. You know, the Apostle James said that faith without works is dead. And he wasn't saying that works are something we do in order to earn God's favor or even the approval of the people around us, but rather that works are a sign of faith. So if you claim that you have faith in Christ and that he has purchased your eternal salvation and basically created a place for you to live in the Father's house for all eternity as one of his children, which is, by the way, we call each other family, because if that's true, if you've accepted Christ and you have made yourself a part of his family as calling him your, your Lord, your master, then, you know, he considers you his brothers and sisters, and that makes you and me brothers and sisters, which is why we refer to ourselves as the family of God. And therefore, we are a family. So if the family doesn't get together every week to worship together, then we're not showing works of faith. And so this is, I don't know how else to put it, an important thing to do every week because it's an essential act of faith. And taking it and reducing it to a lower priority in your life puts you in the dangerous place of sort of saying to God, well, you're important unless I got something else going on, you know, unless I got a golf date, unless I got a, a, a you know, a kid's game to go to or whatever. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that this is really important because it's a work that shows how important your relationship with God is. So the lesser races of our life point toward the, the ultimate destination of our life's race, which is the Father's home. I want you to think for a minute about some of the things that you've accomplished in your life. Think about something you accomplished that maybe was kind of private in nature and you thought to yourself, well, I really feel good about that. That's something I've always wanted to do. It's something I've always desired to achieve, or when I reflect on that, I feel good about myself because I know that it took a certain amount of discipline and consistency in order for me to achieve this. Think about that for a minute. Did you really do it alone? Think about a runner, for example, who is a solo long distance runner who just runs for the joy of it, you know, or bicyclists, for example. We see them around the community, don't we? We'll be out on the country roads and there'll be some person running or someone riding a bike and we look at them and we think, you know, well, they're having a solitary success, but is it really solitary? Don't they at least have a partnership with the sports apparel store where they get the shoes and the clothing they wear? 
Don't they have some sort of mentor relationship, even if it's just a YouTube video or a blog or something that tells them, wear these shoes and not those shoes. You're having trouble with leg cramps? Do this, don't do that. Maybe they have a relationship with their physician or, or uh, an athletic trainer of some guy. Maybe they have a relationship with their grocer because they only shop in certain places where they get the foods that enhance their effort to better their race. See, even a solo entrepreneurial person isn't really entirely running alone. Everyone runs as a part of a team in life. Very few people successfully live entirely alone and succeed. That's a fact. So, now I want you to think about something you accomplished with the team maybe through your work or through some other enterprise. Looking over this room, I could think about all the dinners we've hosted here. And I think about how that was accomplished. 100 people or more got food and ate well and had a great time together because a team of people called, made arrangements, got food delivered, got the various things necessary, uh, to prepare food here, prepared the food, laid it out in a certain order. Some who were more seasoned veterans of this sort of effort made the other ones able to understand what works and what doesn't work. Why the Wednesday night meal we have every Wednesday night at five o'clock. Hint, you ought to come. That's not much of a hint, is it? All of that takes a team effort that leads to success. You see that? And you realize that you can't really win running alone. And many people come to church on Sunday morning to worship God, as they should, but then run the rest of the race alone during the day, during the week. And this is really not good for you. This isn't God's design. The scriptures make it very clear to us, especially in the early uh, parts of the Bible, that God is part of a community, that God is with the Spirit and the Son, but the Beyond that, we even see that God has a divine counsel, that there are angels and there are other created beings that are part of God's fellowship or God's community in the unseen realm. And in that respect, God sees it as entirely natural and appropriate for us to be part of a group of believers. That is to say that I've claimed this one. I know people who say this all the time, it's usually guys, Kyle, especially hunters, who will say, I get close to God when I'm sitting in my tree stand. You know what? I've met God in very intimate prayer in the wilderness myself. I love being outside. I love the deep woods. I love the outdoors and the mountains and, the, and, and all of that. And there are definitely advantages to our prayer life in those places of solitude. But that's only part of the Christian's journey. It's only part of winning the race. There's another part that involves all of us being in this together. But when I said that this was not the formula, not worship so much, but small group gatherings, it's because you can't really improve your race without a small intimate group of people with the same goal that you can be accountable to. I may overuse the word accountability today, but it's a good word. It isn't a word that means judgment. It's a word that means keeping accounts. It's a way of making sure 
that you don't overdraw from your bank account, right? That's not a bad thing. You can't spend more than you have. That doesn't work out very well. But it's also a way of saying, you keep me accountable because I really want to win. And I promise that I will help you with accountability because I know you really want to win. And that's an agreement you can only make with somebody that you have a high degree of trust with, right? You have to own that. You have to be willing to be vulnerable with other people who are trying to win the same race. And that really doesn't happen in a setting like this like it will in a small group setting. We have many people who are participating in Sunday school classes in our church, and I'm glad they do. But I can tell you that if their Sunday school class starts to get really large, then that intimacy kind of fades away. It's a little harder to be open and honest with each other when there's people in the room that you aren't as comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if your Sunday school class is working pretty well as a small group, then good for you. Praise God. It should be a place where you can close the door and you can have honest conversation with each other about an accountable run to win the race home to God the Father. In other words, living the Christian life requires that kind of intimate trust where conversations can be had with the confidence that they are safe and that acceptance is universal and that we all hold ourselves accountable to a higher standard, which is scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So this is really important. This is why I emphasize this so much. There is nothing that separates an average church like this one from super churches that really honor and glorify God. When I say super church, I don't mean size. I mean churches that glorify God that serve God, where people come and they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, where people come and they say that they felt welcomed and loved and embraced and challenged, where people have these deep relationships that don't only happen on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, and where things get done, where the service and work of the people of God being disciples of Christ happens because these small groups compel each other to actively engage in real discipleship. Our vision statement here at Shiloh is that we want to be vital to the well-being of this community through our discipleship, our Christian discipleship. Discipleship is a word that means discipline. Running a race requires discipline. It takes regular training, regular uh, stretching and preparation. It takes the discipline to to uh, you know, push your limits and run a little further each day and so on and so forth. Discipleship is a word that describes that. Who's the discipler? Who are the ones we are, that we are disciples to? Jesus Christ. We call him king, we can call him master, we can call him teacher, we can call him whatever we want, but it is under his authority that we exercise our discipleship. And when we do that in small groups together, really remarkable things happen. So when I say I want to see us become a super church, it has nothing to do with the number of people in the pews or sitting around these tables. It has everything to do with the quality of our discipleship. And that quality does not increase without small group accountability. That is a fact. You want to know how sure I am about this? Let me give you an example. Think about Jesus for a minute. Think about what you know about him, what you read about him as you were going through the Bible in 90 days, the stories we talked about here in church. Maybe you've watched The Chosen or something like that. 
Jesus, we often think of as being a very public figure, often doing things in a very public setting, and that's true. But the reality is, is that in a day when everybody got places by walking, he might go for days with just his 12 apostles and a small entourage of disciples so that they were a small group moving for days at a time by themselves in rich conversation. You know, when it gets dark and you don't have TV or the internet or anything, you know what you do? You build a fire, you sit around the fire, and you talk until everybody gets tired and goes to sleep. They did this every night that they walked with Jesus. Jesus may have been trying to make a point, but he may have been stating a fact when he said, you know, foxes have dens. Where do I sleep? Wherever I lay my head. Think about it that way then and realize that there were many, many, many hours of intimate, one-on-one, accountable conversations with the Lord Jesus Christ. He set the example that we should follow. And the apostles did likewise. And so it shouldn't surprise you that small groups get things done in the body of Christ. I have a small group that's called the executive staff of the church. These are my intimate friends as well as co-workers. And we hold each other accountable in certain ways. And it's part of how we provide this level of leadership that helps get things done in the life of the church. Good leadership always has accountability and accountability comes from intimate trust relationships where we're all trying to accomplish the same thing, which is to serve Jesus Christ as our Lord. And so you need to be a part of something like that. If you're not part of something like that, why? Is it a matter of convenience? Is it a matter of not knowing people to associate with in these places? I promise you, we can help you with that. One of the things my team, my small group is doing is creating opportunities for you to have the same thing. If you want a place to interact with people, to get acquainted with them, to test the waters and sense whether this is an, uh, an accountability partner you'd like to journey with, we can help you with that. All you got to do is let us know. Jessica creates opportunities all the time, like with the work day that's coming up on the schedule. Uh, you know, you could work with a small group of people and through a few conversations over a couple of hours of shared service, you go, you know, I really like that person, you know? And, and these are all things we do to try to help you find a small group. If nothing else, you can just reach out to me and you can say, Pastor Dan, I wanna be a part of a small group. I wanna start a small group, but I don't know how. Either way, I will help you. And I guarantee you it'll be okay. A little later on, I'm gonna have you watch a video that'll show you how easy it is to have a small group and succeed. But it requires discipline. It requires a commitment to something more than the hour you give to worship on Sunday morning. It requires a commitment to other people and the commitment that you share in holding each other accountable to keeping that regular commitment with your small group. That is the final part of the formula. You're gonna pray, which you can do in the privacy of your tree stand. If you do it in your fishing boat, if you do it with your tea or your coffee in the morning when the sun is rising, whatever you do, Prayer is a very special part of your relationship with God. The next thing you do is read the Bible, listen to the Bible, be a part of a group that shares in the reading of the Bible that can then be the last part of the formula, small group accountability. So prayer plus Bible 
plus small group accountability equals running to win, running home to him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please burn it upon our hearts now. And Lord, help us, drive us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be a part of a small group, to reconnect with a small group, to start a new small group, to, to see the importance of individual discipleship and the intimate relationships that make it a thriving Christian life. Oh God, please cause the friends that are listening to this today in person, online, and distant from us, watching this in review someday, that they might feel your Holy Spirit directing them home to you through the companionship of a small, intimate group of believers, we pray. Amen. Music